You are now listening to Canadian Plastics Magazine's podcast series on resin supply, demand, and pricing during COVID-19. I'm your host, Mark Stephen, the editor of Canadian Plastics Magazine. Our guest today is market expert Zachary Moore, deputy managing editor of ISIS in the Americas, which is based out of Houston. Zachary has been working in the petrochemical industry for the past 15 years, first in Asia, and then the Middle East, and now the U.S., He has worked on BTX aromatics, styrenics, phenol, acetone, and the polyester chain, and specializes in the polyolefin space, tracking polyethylene and polypropylene markets. In part one of our series, Zachary will give an overview of the North American polyethylene market, including pricing trends and new capacity coming online that will determine supply, demand, and pricing for PE during this unprecedented pandemic. Uh, it's been a, it's been an interesting ride for polyethylene. So, you know, in the immediate impact of uh, of COVID, polyethylene's actually been one of the plastics that's had the uh, probably the smallest amount of overall demand destruction, uh, largely because so much of polyethylene goes into uh, consumer non-durable items, especially a lot of the food packaging. Uh, so, food packaging is a major source of polyethylene demand, and of course, it has uh, been something that's done very very well certainly at least in the, the early months uh, of this COVID crisis. We know some of the data we have uh, for the U.S. that showed that in the month of March, there's about a 20% increase uh, in sales at grocery stores and food and beverage stores. So that's again, shows that uh, people can't go to the restaurants, so they're stocking up on more food from the grocery stores. Most of that food is packaged in some kind of a, a plastic, typically a polyethylene film. Uh, so therefore, the demand for polyethylene film grades for packaging has held up fairly well. Now, there are other things that have not held up as well. Uh, there's polyethylene that is used in consumer, more durable consumer goods, in automotive applications, for, for piping, for infrastructure. And those have all taken substantial hits uh, from the COVID-19 crisis. So some of the analysis that we have done internally predicts that for 2020 as a whole in North America, we're looking for linear low density, very heavily used in the films. We're probably looking at a 2 to 3% overall uh, decrease in demand, whereas for low density and high density, I say low density is closer to 4 to 6 and high density closer to 5 to 7. So those are, those are the projections that we've got. And again, those are pretty favorable compared to the de- demand destruction that we're expecting or you know, seeing as possible in some of the other polymers that have uh, less heavy exposure to those consumer uh, non-durable applications. The other big thing for for the sector, there's been a couple uh, of issues that are more broadly related. One is exports. So according to the ICIS supply and demand database, the, the U.S. is currently exporting about, or was in 2019, a little over 51% of all the polyethylene it produces. Now that does count uh, exports to Canada and exports to Mexico as exports. I think there's some people that will publish a lower figure, but include all of North America as kind of a extended domestic market. Uh, U.S. is very now heavily export dependent in the polyethylene industry. And as global demand has fallen off, essentially, again, partly because this uh, coronavirus crisis has been a, a global one, and it's not just the U.S., but many other countries that are experiencing varying degrees of lockdown, uh, the expectation is that global GDP is going to be down and the GDP in a lot of the, the markets that the U.S. exporters would typically target is going to be down. 
therefore the plastic demand in those uh, those places will also be down. So there's an overall drop just in the global demand for plastics. Another interesting phenomenon that's happened with all this is that as the oil prices crashed, the uh, naphtha-based polyethylene producers in Europe and Asia have gotten much more competitive relative to the U.S. ethane-based producers. So the, the U.S. ethane-based producers, they were able to export so much in the last couple of years, largely because they had an enormous cash, cash cost advantage. So essentially, they could go into any market in the world, uh, undercut the local competition, and establish a market share. And at this, at the current environment, that's becoming harder because there's if foil is $20 a barrel, there really isn't a big uh, cost advantage to making your polyethylene uh, through an ethane-based process versus a naphtha-based process. So that's been uh, affecting the export sector to a certain degree as well. It's also been a case that uh, some of the feedstock costs have actually been increasing uh, for the U.S., largely because a lot of uh, our ethane comes from uh, associated gas in oil and gas rigs. So if the, uh, if the oil and gas people aren't drilling, then they're not getting the associated gas. So we have seen some increases in ethane prices uh, even during this, this environment, and that's partially a reflection of the fact that uh, there's just not as much uh, supply of the NGLs coming in. We don't really see any shortage on the NGLs. There's still, based on our calculations, a substantial amount of ethane that's being rejected, which is say that's being burned as natural gas. So it would have seemed that there's still plenty to, to take out there. And uh, we've also done the economics and looked at the projections going forward. And we do certainly see that even now there's still, the ethane route is by no means disadvantaged. And certainly the only, uh, scenario that some people have uh, pushed the idea that this will be kind of the end of the ethane cracking advantage essentially assumes that crude oil will stay at $20 per barrel over the longer term and uh, our take would be that unless we're projecting a you know multi-year worldwide recession that that would be very unlikely to happen so for, for polyethylene we do see the North American crackers retaining an advantage and indeed regaining much of the previous advantage they had. This has, however, had an effect, a fairly chilling effect on a lot of the investments that had been planned in the region. So that we've already seen over the last uh, three to four years since 2017, U.S. has added about six million tons uh, of new polyethylene capacity. Uh, and there was another wave of capacity coming, another set of additions on the way. Uh, a lot of these are going to be either pushed out or reevaluated just because of this uh, in the current environment, a lot of people are all about conserving cash. And while the, the economic situation remains as uncertain as it is, very few people are going to feel comfortable, you know, committing to uh, a five or six billion dollar investment, which is uh, what a cracker and integrated petrochemical complex would be. Uh, so we expect to see a lot of those investment decisions pushed off. Uh, probably at least for another couple of quarters. Uh, meanwhile, there are a lot of projects that are still ongoing, that still have steel in the ground. A lot of these are going to be delayed. Uh, and again, some of this is just because in the current uh, environment, a lot of construction sites are either slowing operations or stopping, you know, because of the public health concerns and also because of uh, the need to conserve cash in this economically challenging environment. Join us next time for part two of our podcast series on resin supply, demand, and pricing during COVID-19. 
when Zachary will give an overview of the North American polypropylene market.